Thank you. I should take my cap off. I'm hearing instructions, so I have to go home. So bye. Amen. Joshua chapter 5. Let's begin to read from verse 7. And Father, we want to thank you again for the wonderful, powerful presence we sensed as we worshipped you moments early. Thank you for the challenge that's come to us to engage with you in what you are doing in the earth. We thank you that our hearts are open, ready to receive the engrafted word of God which is able to establish us and save us. Thank you for your unction and your anointing upon every one of us. That our hearts are open. We receive your word. We thank you for it. We bless your name, Lord, in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Let's talk this morning on Jesus being the captain of our salvation. Jesus, the captain of our salvation. Joshua chapter 5. I'm going to start with it from verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand and Joshua went to him and said to him are you for us or for our adversaries coach it's good to see you my friend it's good to see you praise God welcome back are you for us or for adversaries now, I need to give you background so you can appreciate where Joshua is and what is happening here in this passage. So to give you the context and the background, go back to Joshua chapter 5, verse 1, beginning from verse 1. Remember where we stopped? Joshua is asking a question of this man who is standing before him. And the question he's asking is, are you for us or for our adversaries? Because you now should understand where Joshua is coming from. So in verse 1, Joshua chapter 5, so it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan from before the children of Israel until we crossed the water. Who dried the waters up? It's important you remember that. It's important you remember that, okay? That their heart melted and there was no spirit left in them any longer because of the children of Israel. We just saw there that God did something that caused the hearts of the opposition to melt. And there was no more spirit left in them. You are not going to see grace more than that one. The children of Israel didn't do anything. God did it. Not only did God do it, God did it so much of the opposition that the Israel had not seen. Remember, they've not seen this opposition yet. Just the mere mention of what God had already done. 
The Bible said their heart melted and there was no more spirit left in them. What has God done in your behalf? What grace has God expended on you for which the enemies or opposition that you don't see today that will show up in five years and ten years, they're already shaking. Lack that will try to attack you next month. Already know the grace that Jesus experienced on you wow. 2,000 years ago. And that lack is already shaking. Wow. Wow. Sickness and disease that Jesus conquered on your behalf 2,000 years ago is already shaking in his boots. Before you were born, sickness was shaking. Why? Because God had done it already. The opposition that Joshua and Israel had not seen. The Bible says there was no more spirit left in them. Let's read on. Verse 2. You are looking at grace demonstrated right now. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make. Is that verse 2? Okay, now, go back to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Thank you. Verse 1. I'm giving you background before I get into the text. Once I get into the text, 20 minutes, we're done. But you need to be established in context and background so you understand how God operates. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, that's Moses, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Ah, God is speaking to the falcons. We're going to rise up. Do you see how God found falcons in the Bible? (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Arise, go over to this Jordan. You you can put Houston there. You are all these people to the land which I'm giving to them. Notice. He did not say I will give the land to you. I'm giving it. Present continuous. With God is already done. This is the essence of all of the work we said about grace. Read on. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon. What did God say? I will give it to you. No, 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 no. no. Did he say I'm I'm gonna give it to you? I have given to you. Yes. As I said to Moses, it's a done deal. It is a finished work. Jesus has already accomplished it. It is done. I have given you. As far as God is concerned, it is done. Your prosperity is done. Your healing is done. Your favor is done. Your holiness is done. Your maturity in the things of God is accomplished. Your progress is established. Verse 4. Just in case they did not understand what God said, God now had to get a map out. And show them on the map. Yes. Because I know that you guys ask a lot of questions. You young people, mm-hmm. you need to see it. 
So God said, Mr. Tata, you are a young man. Yes. Just so. <laughs> Let me answer the question you are asking. Correct. In case you are wondering, which land am I giving you? Verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon. Yes. As far as the great river. Correct. The river Ephrates. In, think, wow. in case you are thinking it's River Niger no. or Chattahoochee River, no. let, let's define it so you understand. Correct. River Ephrates, all the land of the Hittites, yes. and to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, wow. shall be your territory. Ooh. Unlimited. Verse 5. Look at verse 5. No man. Shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Whether they came from heaven as an angel or they come from beneath the water as a demon, no man shall be able to stand before all the days of your life. Now, Joshua, in case that's not enough, let me put a comma there. As I was with Moses, and for you, Joshua, this is important because you were Moses' assistant. You were there when I spoke to Moses. You were there when he worked the miracles. You were there when he opened the Red Sea. You were a clear participant. You saw it. You know what I'm talking about. As I was with Moses, your boss, the one you served, as I was with him. Yes. So I will be with you. Yes. I will not leave you nor forsake you. That's the context. Do you understand that? God assured them he's given them the land. He gave promises to Joshua and he assured him that no man will be able to stand before him. For as long as Joshua lived, and that God will be with him perpetually. That's the context. Now let's go back to Joshua chapter 5. Go back to verse 13 now. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. So this, what we just shared this last few minutes, is the background for where we are now. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? This is the biggest problem in the body of Christ. What Joshua did is for the most part what we do. In spite of the promises of God to us, when we get in the thick of battle, we are focusing on, are you for me or for my enemy? We are focusing on whose side are you? Who is against me? No, 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 no. Look at the question. Are you for us or for our adversaries? What's the answer? Verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. Rise up, verse 14. Thank God. So he said, no. Absolutely not. I'm neither for you nor against them. I need to sit down for a second. Please, can I sit down? 
we are trying to draw God to choosing sides. And God said, I'm not going to do that. Because the very people that you are trying to get God to be against, they are the people of God. For which Jesus died. For which he's looking to bring into his fold. So Jesus said, so the answer is, no. I am neither for you nor for them. The correct question, Joshua, should not be, am I for you or for against, the, against you? No, that should not be the question. The question, Joshua, is, whose side, Joshua, are you on? Leave the other people to me. Don't focus on the other people. Focus on yourself. Whose side are you on? And let me give this warning to the body of Christ. Larry said it well. The world is in a chaotic state. Yes. Be careful as a believer not to start taking sides. What we have is exactly what God ordered. Disruption of the system as we knew it. Because unless there's a disruption, there cannot be a reconstruction. No, I don't like it any more than you do. Let me make sure you understand that. Absolutely not. I don't like it one bit. But it's not a matter of what I like or don't like. It's a matter of whose side will I be on. And I have chosen to be on God's side. He needs to disrupt business as usual. If it's to fix the nations. Yes. Yeah. So he put in office a disruptor in chief. That will disrupt everything we know. Because until that disruption comes, we will seek him. You won't pray. You will not fast. So he knows what to order. He knows exactly what it's going to take for you and I to come back to the sanctuary. Welcome, Lord Jesus. Have your way. No. I'm not, I'm not on anybody's side. That's the wrong question, Joshua. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. That word now is a word of a time element. I don't know where you are. What's happening in your life for which you need a God's intervention? It says now is the time for it. Now is your intervention time. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? Jesus said, now there you go. That's the right question to ask him. So in this chaotic moment of world affairs, our right position is not pro-Trump or against Trump. Forget all of that. Our position is, are we on God's side? And if you're on God's side, there's only one question. God, what do you want to see me do in this situation? How should I cooperate with your plans right now? On pl- That's our position. Trump is not the answer. Neither is HRC or anybody else. I don't care who it is. 
God is the answer. And we have to be aligned with God's purpose so that his purpose can be established. So the correct question is what Joshua finally asked. Now that I realize you're not for me or against me. Now that I know that you are the God of the earth. The entire earth is yours. All flesh reports to you. Now I understand. You're not just for us or against us or for them or against them. Now I understand you are the commander. He worshipped. And he asked the next question. What would you have? What do you want to say to me? What, what is my instruction? In every situation you and I find ourselves, whether I'm looking for a job, there's sickness in my body, I need money, I need a child, I need a husband, I need a wife. The correct question all of the time, God, how do I respond to this situation? What, what, do you, what would you have me to do? What would you have me to say? Now, remember, grace has provided all the blessings. We read that in Joshua chapter 1. Everything has been given to these Israelites. It's given already. But in order to receive the manifestation, it does not mean that you now just sit down, bite your nails, and drink lemonade from morning to night and do absolutely nothing. No! You do something, but what you do is not just what you want to do, it's what God is saying to you. This is the difference between just running around and doing things versus getting instruction and following the instruction. God has already promised that everything is yours. I've given it. It's done. But in order for you to see it manifest, Joshua, you must ask me the right questions. And the question is, what, do you, what are you saying to me? Amen? Amen? And I'm saying to us, in every situation, that we find ourselves, ask God the question. Don't be smarter than God to think you have the answer to the, to, the, to, the, to the problem. You don't. Because what seems right to you may not be right to God. And what God told Greg to do may not be what he's telling Butchie to do. Huge. Are you following me so far? Are you understanding this so far? Grace has made the provision, but you as an individual must now believe what grace has provided and ask the right questions. God, how? What do you want me to do? What are you saying to me? What is your instruction to me? Now, verse 15. So, then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Wow. You know what's so amazing about this verse? There are only two other places in the scriptures where this has happened. Exodus chapter 3 verse 5. And Acts chapter 7 verse 33. And both of those places were talking about when God told Moses to do the same thing. So what's the point here? Why is God telling Joshua to do this? God was essentially saying to Joshua, as I was with Moses, your boss, I'm going to be with you as well. You were aware of what I told Moses to do. Now I'm asking to do the same thing. So you can understand that I'm bringing you into the same 
uh, company of people who will be an overcomer. This was an assurance to him. You know that Moses had told him to take off his shoes. Now I'm asking you to do the same thing. Because the ground you're standing upon is holy. Why is the ground holy? Because God is there. Now, chapter 6. Let's get to the meat of the message. And I'm going to be done. Verse 1. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Remember what we read in Joshua chapter 5? How those guys, their hearts were melted already. They were afraid of the Israelites. And because of the fear that had already struck them, they shut the doors of Jericho and made sure nobody went out or nobody came in. They were already in, they were quaking because they knew that God was out to deal with them. And the Lord said to Joshua, now this is the response to Joshua's question. What is the Lord saying to itself? And I keep on telling us here in this house, when we are praying, and we really need to really get on this, when we pray, especially corporate prayer, and in fact when you pray at home, it is important you take a select moment to receive and hear what God is saying. Otherwise, we just, we pray, we pray, we pray, run out of the door. Do we have an expectation that God will speak back to us? Yes. For my sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a strange one, they will not follow. So we have to anticipate that when we talk to him, he will talk back to us. So Joshua has spoken to God. What will my Lord say to his servant? And now the Lord is talking back to him. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of Valor. Amazing. The very first thing God said to him was to see. Because, Lola, if you can't see it, you cannot possess it. See here is not talking about in the natural. What is the mental picture that you've captured in your inner mind of what God is capable of doing in your life? What, what is going on between your ears? What are you thinking? What are, because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So God consistently will tell his servants, see, see, see. Because if you can't see it, you can't possess it. Seeing has to do with vision. Yes. If your vision is off, your walking will be off. So the first thing God called Joshua to do, see. See what? See what I told you in Joshua chapter 1. How I told you, no man shall be able to withstand you. How I told you, I'll be with you all the days of your life. How I told you, I've given you all the... Can you see Joshua? What are you seeing right now? Do you see your household blessed? Do you see your children prospering? Do you see your husbands, your wives, do you see them walking in the ways of God? Do you see God's promises upon your life coming to pass? What are you seeing? Are you so busy looking at what's happening around us that you cannot see what God is doing in your life? Whose report will you believe? The report of the Lord or the report of CNN and Fox News? And maybe we should add fake news as well. Whose report would you believe? Listen, folks, this is why it's 
critically important we know the word of God. Because the word of God is what, what gives us the ability to have correct pictures. We can't be running around just talking about things and don't have the word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. You cannot separate God from his word. He said, I've magnified my name, my word rather, above my own name. That is God speaking. He has magnified his word above his name. Through the word, he hung the world in place. So you and I do not have the luxury of not understanding or taking time to read the word. Please, for your own sake, I beg you, I plead with you, dive in the word of God. Immerse yourself in the word of God. If your heart is right and you're seeking God, he will reveal himself. But we give time to things that cannot do anything for us. Rather than giving time to what can change your world and hopefully because of you and through you, change the world for other people. Yes. See, I've given Jericho into your hand. It's king and the mighty man of valor. So God repented the picture for him again. Now, let's begin to look at the next verses. This is where the rubber meets the road. So this captain of the Lord's army is now giving Joshua the strategy for his victory. This is huge. This is very huge. This is the element in grace that we've missed out. Where people assume that because God has already done it, there's nothing left for me to do. God has done it, I'm born again, going to heaven, no matter what happens, da, 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 I'm blessed. All of that is true, but what you're missing is, even though God has done it, there's a part for you to play. Yes. The important thing to know, however, the part you play is not intended to get God to change his mind or to do something for you. God has already done it. However, when you now speak to him, he now gives you the strategy and then now you, on the basis of having heard back his feedback and received the strategy, you go out to do what he's spoken. There's a difference between dead works and good works. Dead works are things I am doing because it seems right to me. Good works that God has created and set in motion from before the foundation of the earth are the things that he speaks to you and I on a day-to-day -day basis. So what I'm doing is not just an origination from me. It is a response to what God is saying to me in the now. Because faith without works is dead. So there's works involved. The difference here is the works that you are getting involved in is what God has spoken to you. It's a direct strategy from God on what to do in a given situation. Let me, let me just come here for a minute. He has given the place to them. Why did they have to do anything? Grace has provided everything. The victory is already done. Yet, there must be an element of human cooperation. Because he doesn't want them to have anything that they don't agree with. You have to show your agreement with heaven. How do you show your agreement? Your participation. 
You have to participate. But remember, your participation is not going to get you the victory per se. Your participation is just to enforce what is already done. You're not participating to get him to do something he didn't want to do. No. Heaven must know that we're in agreement. Heaven must know that we agree and we say, yes, I believe it. You know, that word believe is an action word. It's a verb. You don't believe and pack and just sit. No. When you believe, the belief moves you to action. It is only in the modern day church people believe and sit down. They don't witness. They don't give. They go, don't go on mission trip. They just believe and pack. That is not believing. That is unbelieving. When you believe, it propels you to action. You do something as a result of what, believe, what you believe. Now, having said that, this is where the real rubber meets the road. Look at this strategy. You shall march around the city. All you men of war. You shall go around the city once. This you shall do six days. Next verse. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Next verse. And, or rather, not, and is not there, I, I, I did that. <laughs> it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the, with the ram's horn and when you hear the sound of the trumpet that all the people shall shout with a great shout then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Now, this is a challenge. This is a challenge. You read this, if you have no good grasp of the scriptures, you won't get anything out of this. God just responded to Joshua's inquiry. What would you say to, to, to your servant? And verse 1, 2, 4, one, two 3, 4, 5, Joshua chapter 6, God responded. This is the issue. First thing God says, Joshua, get seven priests who will go March around Jericho along with the Ark of the Covenant with the priests and the people six days, one time a day. On the seventh day, you do it seven times. And I want to ask you to give a shout. You shout, the walls come down. Huge problems. Problem number one. In the law, the Bible says the priests are never to go to battle. I can show you that in Numbers chapter 1. So in Joshua's mind, you must understand the contradiction. He was there when the law was given to Moses. Him and Moses executed the law. And now God is giving him strategy for victory. And the number one thing God said, contradicts his mind. Shall I give you the scriptures? Do you need it? In Numbers chapter 1, verses 1 and 1 through to 3, the Bible talks about how they should have a census of all the men that's able to go to war. 
And then in verse 47 to 49, the Bible made it, make it clear, don't count the Levites. They're not part of this census. Why? Because they are not men of war. So the priests, their main job, give me verse 47. Verse 47. Numbers 147. Wow. Okay. But deliverers were not numbered. Among them by the father's tribe. Go on. For the Lord has spoken to Moses saying, go on sir. Wow. Only the tribe of Levi you shall not number. Nor take a census of them among the children of Israel. Go on. Verse 50. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you shall appoint deliverers over the tabernacle of the testimony, over all its furnishings, etc., etc., etc. These guys were set apart for the work of the ministry only. They were never to go to battle. And God is given a strategy for your prosperity, for your healing, for your favor, for your blessing. And in first it says, contradict what you know. Right there, you put a break. I am not doing this. Because what? It contradicts where my position has been. How can God get heaven done to you if you're not aligned up with heaven? Are you following me? Yes. Second thing God says, go back to Joshua chapter 6. So he says to them, get the priest out there, Number two, that they were to, took, to take the Ark of the Covenant and march with it. That's, that's a no-go. Joshua knew that. Joshua knew that's, that is disaster in the making. The Ark of the Covenant was never to be seen by any man's eyes. This is a piece of furniture that was supposed to remain in the tabernacle of Moses and at that, in the most holy place that only the priest, only the high priest can see once a year. Correct. Now you are telling me to go and get it and take it out and march with it? Wow. Wow. And the only other time where Israel got the Ark of the, uh, Ark of the Covenant in 1 Samuel chapter 4, the sons of Eli, what happened? They were thoroughly defeated and the Ark was captured. Wow, yes. So now you are telling Joshua, who was there? Who understands the implication to go there and carry an ark? Hello? Hello. Then you tell him, get a ram's horn for a trumpet. That's what they're going to use to blow. Ah, uh ah, -uh, God. I, mean, I know you're really missing it. Because in Numbers chapter 10, you told us specifically when we go to battle, we should only blow through two silver trumpets. But in your strategy, you are calling for ram's horns. Wow. Wow. This is a contradiction, it's a violation of what you have already told us. And the mother of all violations, on the seventh day, Sabbath. Jeez. On Sabbath, it's not bad enough that we're working for the last six days once. Can, can you picture that? 
Can you picture you walking around Lawrenceville once a day? Around the whole Lawrenceville? All of us will become size two. <laughs> by force, by force. We all be wearing size two to March around Lawrenceville for six days, one at a time. And on the seventh day, seven times. For the Jewish man, this is on Sabbath. Where they were not supposed to do jack. And you are saying this to a man who you could almost call the architect of the law. Why is this so important for me and you? For many of us, our head knowledge is what stands between us and seeing God's manifestation. The things we know. Ah, Ada, you need for me to give five dollars. I only have ten. If I give five dollars, what will happen? I only have five dollars left. That's not enough to buy gas in my car. It's not enough for lunch. You, you rationalize the thing. I see if it's not the God that made five dollars, I can make fifty. We start, we, 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 we bring Pythagoras theory. <laughs> Mathematics, new math. We, we introduce it and say, this is, this is, this is ridiculous. Go, we never said before me to do that. Really? Really? Our head knowledge. So Joshua, I can imagine now, God is talking to him. Because we know it's God. How we know it's God? Because when the man said, I'm the commander, the man bowed down and worshipped. And angels do not receive worship. Yes. So we know that Joshua recognized this is not an ordinary man. And yet, this man that's not ordinary is telling him to do things that are totally, completely violation. Yes. Folks, I'm telling you, if you're ever going to deal with God, you need to leave your head at the door. Dealing with God in the most holy place is a function of the spirit, not of the soul. You have to take your head and pack it at the door. Why? He is the head. He just needs a body to operate in. He does not need my thinking or my rationalization. He already has it. That's why the Bible says, let this mind be in us, which was also in Christ Jesus. He needs a body through which his head will function. That's our biggest problem. God is saying, move in this direction. I say, why shall I go? But let me bring it home to you. To how Joshua was able to make this reconciliation. Hallelujah. This is why it's so important for us to know scriptures. Because the priest that God says you go in the battle. Who did the priest point to? Jesus. Hebrews tells us he's our most high priest. <laughs> The ram's horn that should be blown. Who does it represent? Jesus as a substitution. A ram is always a substitution. Hallelujah. Who does the ark that was to be carried, who does it represent? Jesus. And who does the Sabbath day represent? Jesus. It's our rest. It's our Sabbath day. What's the point I'm making? In John 1, 17, the law came to us through Moses. But grace and truth came through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So what's the point? The point here is, as captain 
of the Lord's army, Joshua came to recognize that Jesus was the one who led Israel around the walls of Jericho once each of the six days. As captain of the Lord's army, he came to recognize that Jesus was the one that compassed the city with them seven times on Sabbath day. As captain of the Lord's army, Joshua came to understand that it was Jesus who told him to shout and the walls would come down. In other words, Joshua was just going along for the ride. Jesus himself was the one who physically was leading them around the walls of Jericho. Oh my God. Something just flew over your head so you didn't catch it. This is the point. The reason Jesus could contradict the law seemingly was because the law personified what's there. He was the fulfillment of the law. The Bible says in Romans 10 verse 4, Christ has become the end of the law for them that believe. Joshua, do you believe? Yes, sir, I believe. Therefore, I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. I am the fulfillment of the priesthood. I am the fulfillment of the Ram's on. I am the fulfillment. Therefore, when I am present in a situation, you do not need the law. You do not need the regulations. You don't need the rules. I replace the law. I replace the regulations. I replace the rules because Jesus, grace personified, is standing with you. Oh my gosh. Jesus. So while it was a violation to Joshua, it is indeed a fulfillment in Christ. Because he, Jesus, has fulfilled all the law. So Jesus is a captain of our salvation. He himself, remember what he said to Joshua. I am the captain or the commander of the Lord's horse. The commander. He was there to fight with them. Oh my goodness. Let me show you one scripture and I'll have to close it. Because I'm about to explode here. Zechariah 14 verse 3 in King James. Zechariah 14 verse 3. He's the commander. Whatever situation you are in, he's the commander of it. Whatever the situation... Jesus is the commander. He has come in person. If you believe it, he has come in person to give you the strategy for victory in that situation if you just take the time to ask him. Ask of me, he says. And give the nations for inheritance, the ends of the earth for thy possession. But you have to ask. You have to ask. You have to ask. It's already freely given. However, he wants your participation. He does not want you to just be a standby spectator. He wants you to participate. That's why prayer and pray is essential. We have to pray. We have to seek God. You don't because of grace say, well, there's no need to pray. I have the victory. No, that's what is really irking me with this generation. Because we're taking the grace message in a way that we, 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 we're almost perverting it. 
No, it's not a license and occasion to sin. Absolutely not. It's not, it does not mean it's a time to go on vacation from seeking God. No. If anything, we should press in more. Amen. If you really know him, we should be pressing in more. Look at Zechariah 14.3. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in a day of battle. Question. Now, this passage is talking about the second coming and the battle of Armageddon. That's the context for this very passage. But look at what it says. The Lord shall go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the day of battle. Number one, against those nations. Those nations are anything that's bothering you. Anything. The Hittites, the Canaanites. Anything that's an impediment to your progress is a nation. Sickness, disease, poverty, unholiness, everything that is not God, that is trying to impede your growth and your progress is a nation. And God said, I'll fight against them. As when he fought in the day of battle. When was that day of battle? You go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You can never find Jesus fighting any battle. So what day of battle is he referring to? He's talking about what he did in Jericho. He's talking about what he just did in Jericho. He fought for Israel in Jericho. That's the essence of grace. And I'll come back later to give you the, to give you the details of that battle. If I have to do the fighting, then it's not grace. Yes. David said it well in 1 Samuel chapter 17, in verse 47. He said, the battle is the Lord's. You and I are just here to sweep the spoils. It's his battle. There's another scripture, I believe in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. Where Jehiel, a prophet, prophesied to Jehoshaphat and said to him, The battle is not the Lord, it's not us, but the Lord's. Yes. So you understand that this battle you are in, whatever that battle is, a job, a promotion, profitability, sickness, poverty, whatever the battle that faces you, first of all, you must recognize it's not your battle. Yes. If you own it, you're going to have to fight it. I'll deal with that next week. But you have to understand that this battle is not for you. It's not your God owns the battle. He's fought it. Victory is already yours. It just needs your participation and cooperation. Amen? Amen. Well, I praise God. So Jesus was the one fighting for them. And we know that because Jesus is in the midst of his people physically, the rules and regulations of the law were no longer necessary. Romans 10 verse 4 and also Colossians chapter 2 verses 16 and 17 where the Bible talks about no more rules of holy days and Sabbath and so forth and so on. Why? Because Jesus has perfectly fulfilled that. Yes. The, your takeaway today, don't let your head stand between you and God. Amen. Remove all rationalization if you want to see God. As long as you are reasoning, you will never see God. As long as you are allowing your head to fight with what God is promising and saying, you will never see the manifestation of God. You are wasting your time. Release what you think and how you're thinking. Release that to God. God, I don't understand why you're leading me this way, but I thank you because your word is true. 
I thank you because I trust you. I thank you because I know that you have, you know, you have nothing but good for me. Therefore, I'm resigning in your hand. You know what? I'd rather fail with God than succeed with man. Because I know that God can turn that failure into success yes. in a heartbeat. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for the privilege of knowing you. I want to thank you, Lord God, that we do not take your grace for granted. That we recognize that you are the God, the giver of life and the giver of all your blessings. And so now, God, I, I, I pray that we are responding to being drawn into a more intimate relationship with you. That we don't take a nonchalant, non-caring attitude, but God, that, we, that we, we, we are pressing in to your grace, pressing it into your love, responding to your love. Holy Spirit. But I don't there's one person here today, Holy Spirit, who needs a deeper walk with you. Maybe does not even know you. Do not have an experience with you. We give you room now. Spirit of the living God, that you just move freely among us. Freely, freely, freely. Touch every heart. Knock on every door. Bring us closer to you. And so with that being said, if there's anyone here that says, you know what, I want to take that first step. I want to know Jesus. I want to be born again. I want to come to partake of this wonderful grace in this kingdom where everything has been prepared. If that's you, if you just lift your hand, I want to pray with you. Is there anybody here today that says, you know what, I want to be born again. I want to be a child of God.